Hope everybody had a good week this week and uh, followed some of the requests that were made last Sunday for, uh, for I know Tony and Andrea did, they, they told me that they complimented each other all week. So that was very good. I mean, not Tony, Tony and Andrea, and sorry, Tony and Kelly too. Um, I know I did. I, yes, I know I did. In fact, on the way home last week, leaving here, I, I uh, pulled out of the parking lot and inadvertently gave a compliment to my wife. And uh, so she promptly thanked me for it and then said, did you do that because, you know, you instructed everybody else to compliment? And I said, well, yeah, that, and I'm done for the week now. <laughs> Just kidding. I did some more things, all right? You can talk to her later. Uh, we, we got a couple announcements before we actually are going to start uh, with our lesson. First thing is the marriage ball renewal ceremony. I'm going to pass this around. We've got four people signed up so far, and I don't want to break any arms, but Pastor would like some more people, all right? We would like to double this, and I think that would be not a problem. If you're on the bubble, if, you, if you're not sure, put just, just sign up. It's going to be a fun time. We're doing some things uh, that, you know, is going to be a surprise. I don't want to give anything away, uh, but it will be fun. It will be memorable, and you're going to have a good time. Along with that, if you have already signed up, or you plan on doing that now after my threat, um, you can put your, along with your name, put your uh, email address and phone number down. That way, this week, next week, we can get a hold of you really easy and give you some more information on what's going on. Uh, also, along with that, if you can get us fairly quickly, this week, uh, this next Sunday, or, or very soon after, anywhere from 10 to 15 photos of a couple of your original marriage, original wedding photos, and then whatever you want from then uh, till present. Um, you, can, you can space it out. You'll get those photos back, but we're going to do something with those a little bit special for you. And again, I'm not going to go into the huge details, but if you can get us as quick as possible, anywhere from 10 to 15 photos, those of you who are involved in this. Now, remember, this is not this is not just a uh, this is not just a, a an event for the people that are signing up. This is a church-wide activity. So please uh, watch your calendars uh, on the 22nd of this month, and uh, go ahead and, and make plans to come. It's, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun. We did this. Uh, is, is there something you? I thought we were going to um, take a picture. Of the we are going to do that too. Okay. Yes. We're, we're going to get your photo uh, during the Sunday school church hour. Also, that's going to be part of it, and we're going to be getting your photo in the next couple of weeks. Um, yes. This is actually a sign-up sheet for those who want to come that aren't going to participate in the ceremony. They have a number of. Yes, that is that is very correct, and that's important because we need to know how much cake to order and things like that. So if you do sign up, please please do that as quick as you can this week, next week for sure, if you plan on making it on the 22nd. And then on the 29th uh, is our newcomer's brunch. And any, anybody that's planning on joining the church or wants to just get to know Pastor Ken and Kim better, this is a great opportunity to do that. Uh, they have brunch at their home, very informal. There's no strings attached to it, but you can just get to know them better. I've actually wanted to rejoin the church a couple times because it's a pretty good meal. And, uh, but they won't let me. So, uh, Also, a newcomer's orientation on September 6th, 13th, and 20th. Again, those are for people who are thinking of joining the church. If you want to know more information, obviously, what are our goals for the church? What do we believe? What are some of our beliefs? And, and uh, obviously, we're not going to be in this building forever. You might want to know what, what are our plans for our building of our own. That's the time that Pastor Ken will be, uh, will just be describing all of that. And then the last thing is the books. There is one left up here, and these are $10.
If you haven't paid, you can pay myself or Michelle uh, $10 for these books and $5 for the workbooks that we've been going through. If, uh, if you want more, please, please tell me and, you can, and we can get these for you. Okay? Uh, before we get started with the lesson, though, I wanted to share a story with you. And I wish I had the story last week because it really went with the lesson about unconditional love, selfless love, and uh, it's about a, a, a wife that's stuck by her husband's side uh, through a lot of problems. So I wanted to share this story with you just so you can understand uh, what she went through. There was a, uh, a woman, a woman's husband had been slipping in and out of a coma for three or four months, and the doctors didn't know if he was going to make it or not. And regardless, she stuck by his side. She was there uh, at the hospital every day, and sure enough, after a few months, he came out of his coma. And the doctors told her that it looks like he's going to make a full recovery. Well, he was still weak, uh, but was able to recognize his wife right away and called her over to the bedside. So she sat down beside him, obviously very excited that he was, that he was getting better and recognized her. And he looked at her and said, you know what, honey? You've been through a lot with me, uh, through a lot of bad times. And she nodded in agreement. She said, he says, you know, you were with me when, when I got fired from my job and you didn't point fingers, you stuck by my side. You were there when, when the business failed because I'm not a very good businessman and, and you didn't point fingers again. You stuck by my side and, uh, and stuck through me and supported me. When we lost the house because of a bad mortgage deal that I got involved with, again, you stuck by my side. And then when my, when my health started failing, I knew when I woke up, you were gonna be right there. Well, of course, he's revealing all this and she's just beaming from ear to ear so ecstatic that he's actually acknowledging this, this selfless love through all these hard times. She stuck by him. And he said, you know what, honey, I want to tell you something. So she leaned closer, very excited. She said, honey, what, what do you want to tell me? And he looked up at her and said, I think you bring me bad luck. <laughs> Did I get anybody again? Yeah. All right. All right. Today's lesson. Yes. <laughs> today's uh, today's lesson is called "He First Loved Us." Uh, probably the most important lesson that we're going to talk about in these six weeks out of the six lessons. And the burning question that we have this week is: Do you know God's love, His unconditional love, and do you reflect that love to your spouse? Now, the reason why I say this is the most important lesson is because if you don't know God's love, if you haven't accepted God and Christ as your Savior, and you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you're going if you take your last breath today, then everything else doesn't matter, does it? That is the most important question in your life, is do you know where you're going? Are you going to heaven or hell? And so that's what we want to discuss today. You know, if someone were to ask you, why do you love your wife? Or why do you love your husband? What would your answers be? Well, men most of the time would say, you know, to start out, well, my wife's beauty, that's what first attracted me. I, she was very pretty. And, uh, and then it goes from there. You would say things like, well, she's got a good sense of humor. She's kind and considerate and compassionate. She's very inner strength. She's a very strong woman. And she has good beliefs. All very good qualities. Probably things that you would, you would bring up right now. What about wives? What would you say about your husbands? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, what, would, what would some of the women say? Well, perhaps your husband's rugged good looks would be stark. Uh, Michelle would definitely say that. 
Why is everybody laughing? <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, us, we would go on from here. We would say, well, uh, his persistent character, uh, his love, it's always, he's always there for them. Um, he's generous, he's thoughtful, he provides for his family. Again, all good qualities. But what if over the course of years, your husband or your wife stopped being all of those things that you just described? Would your love still continue for them? Well, based on the answers that are given, based on the answers that most people give, the logical response would be no. See, if the reasons for loving your spouse all have something to do with their qualities, and then those qualities disappear, or they fade away, or they change over time, then the basis of your love can change, all right, or fade away. Isn't that why so many marriages today fail? Because what is it based on? It's based on this emotional love. I love you. Both people are at the, their best behaviors because you're dating, you're courting, you're just now married. And then reality sets in, does it not? And then you find out the real person. Well, there has, has their qualities changed? Perhaps. And then therefore, that's why so many, so many uh, marriages are struggling now and in trouble because now you say, I just don't love that person anymore. He's changed or she's changed. Okay? See, the only way love can last a lifetime is if it's unconditional love. And the truth is that love is not determined by the one being loved, but, by, but rather by the one choosing to love. In other words, Michelle, because she's a good mother and she's, uh, she, she's strong and considerate and compassionate and all those things, that is not why I love her. I love her because I choose to love her unconditionally. That's what God expects of us. Because why? We're all human, and we all make mistakes, and maybe there's things that come up in our marriage, and if she stops being a considerate wife, then what happens to my love? Okay, do you, do you understand? So again, love is not determined by the one being loved, but rather by the person, by me choosing to love that person. So you, can't, you cannot manufacture unconditional love out of your own heart. It's impossible. And you may be able to demonstrate kindness and unselfishness in some form, and you may have learned to be more thoughtful and considerate because you've had to work on it in your marriage. But sincerely loving somebody unconditionally and self unselfishly is another matter. So you're sitting there saying, well, then, Wayne, how do we do it? You're talking about every week, the last three weeks, you talked about selfless love and unconditional love. Well, how do we get it? Well, like it or not, unconditional love isn't something that we can do. It's only something that God can do. Right, but because of his great love for us, God chooses to express his love through us. Okay? Now, some of you might be sitting here thinking and might not be convinced. You might think and believe that with enough hard work and with enough commitment on your spouse and your part and going through trials and errors and, and hitting the bumpy roads and coming out uh, successful that you can learn how to love unconditionally all on your own. But how many times has your love, and I'm talking about not God's unconditional love, but your love, when you try to do it on your own, how many times has that failed you, uh, failed to keep you from lying? Has your love failed you to keep you from lusting or from overreacting? Has your love been able to control your anger? Has your love been able to stop you? When we talked about last week about our tongue and the way we talk to our spouse, has it been able to stop you in your tracks and say, you know what, I love my spouse more than I love myself, I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to say what I want to say. All right? I'm not going to spit those words out of my mouth 
just to make myself feel better because what are you doing? You're being selfish. And you're sinning against not only God, you're sinning against your spouse. So can your love do that on your own? It's very, very hard. What about this one? Has your, has your love, if you try it on your own, are you able to forgive your spouse even when they haven't asked for forgiveness? Whoa. That's a big one. And you're sitting there, I know, because I've been in the same place thinking, I forgive. I do what the Bible says. You know, if Michelle comes to me and apologizes and admits what she's done is wrong, I will definitely forgive her. Is that, is that what the Bible teaches? Absolutely not. What about what is Christ our example? He definitely is. We're going to talk about that in, the, in a, just a few minutes. But did, did Christ on the cross wait for the people in front of him that were mocking him? Did he wait for them to say, you know what, we're wrong. Could you forgive me? Did not. Nobody asked forgiveness. But yet he, did, he forgave them anyway. And that's our example. Very, very hard to do. Can you imagine trying to do that on your own with just, uh, with just uh, emotional love that you started off with, not understanding God's true unconditional love? How can you, how can you do that? Very, very difficult. Um, see, we, we fail in all these areas that I talked about, and we fall short of God's commands because we try to do it ourselves, and we do it on our terms, and it's called conditional love. You know, we put conditions on our love. And every time you do that, you will fail. See, you and I, we need someone else who can give us this kind of love. And that love comes from God. The only, and only those who have allowed him into their hearts through faith in Jesus Christ and what Christ did on the cross can truly understand and have selfless love. I want to look at the video clip here in just a minute because it ties right into what I've just been talking about for the last ten minutes about trying to do it on your own. Because you're going to see in the clip that Caleb, who started out trying, he wanted to save his marriage, but he really didn't. He had conditions. All right? He put conditions on his marriage, and you're going to see that. When we do that, and we're, self- we're selfish, we want something in return. And that's not what unconditional love is. You're going to love your spouse regardless of whether you get that love in return. It's very difficult. But you're going to see that Caleb um, had a very difficult time, and we're going to, we want to look at the question that was posed to him, that his father said, you can't love because you can't give her what you don't have. We want to explore that statement uh, when we're done watching the video. You've broken his commandments. 
one day you'll answer me into that. Okay. I would ask you why you're so frustrated with Catherine. What would you say? She's stubborn. She makes everything difficult for me. She's ungrateful. She's constantly griping about something. And she thanks you for anything you've done the last 20 days? No! And you think after I washed the car, I changed the oil, do the dishes, clean the house, that she would try to show me a little bit of gratitude? Well, she doesn't. In fact, when I come home, she makes me feel like I'm, like I'm an enemy. I'm not even welcome in my own home, Dad. That is what really kicks me off. Yet for the last three weeks, I have bent over backwards for her. I have tried to demonstrate that I still care about this relationship. I bought her flowers. When she threw away, I have taken her insult and her sarcasm, but last night was it. I made dinner for her. I did everything I could to demonstrate that I care about her, to show value for her, and she spat in my face. She does not deserve this, Dad. I am not doing it anymore. How am I supposed to show love to somebody over and over and over who constantly rejects me? That's a good question. Dad, that's not what I'm doing. Is it? You just ask me, how can someone show love over and over again when they're constantly rejected? Caleb, the answer is, you can't love her because you can't give her what you don't have. I couldn't truly love your mother until I understood what love really was. Stop a trying to get some reward out of it. I've now made a decision to love your mother whether she deserves it or not. Son, God loves you even though you don't deserve it. Even though you've rejected him. <coughs> Spat in his face. God sent Jesus to die on the cross and take the punishment for your sin because he loves you. The cross was offensive to me until I came to it. But what I did Jesus Christ changed my life. That's when I truly began to love you, Mom. Son, I can't settle this for you. This is between you and the Lord. But I love you too much not to tell you the truth. Can't you see that you need Him? Can't you see that you need His forgiveness? Yes. Will you trust Him with your life?
Okay, very, very powerful five-minute video clip. Probably the most important thing in the movie. Wouldn't you agree? Let's, let's look uh, in your books because we are going to go through a couple questions. Let's look at question number one after the video clip. You know, as Caleb discussed how his love there was going with his, with his wife, you could see that he was quite upset uh, at the beginning. And quite upset because why? Did he, did he put conditions on what he was doing? Yeah, he wanted something in return. And that's why he was upset. What, um, what emotions are showing? And uh, in his words and in his actions. Just yes. What else? We've got anger, despair, frustration. Yes. Yes. Bitter too. Very good. All those qualities are what? Bad ones, but selfish ones, aren't they? Selfish ones. Again, going back to. Uh, what we struggle with the most as humans is our own selfishness. We want what we want for ourselves before we want for our spouses. And so, because he's selfish, he wants something in return and he's not getting it. And you know, just like I've been talking about, if you try to love on your own, you're going to fail. Just like Caleb was at the beginning. He wanted to actually, in 20 days, of trying to save his marriage, it only took 20 days for him to want to quit. He wouldn't have quit on his job if he was having that much trouble, but he wanted to quit on his marriage because he wasn't getting something in return. Can anybody, uh, with question two, can you empathize with Caleb in his situation? Does anybody want to elaborate? If you can empathize or if you don't sympathize with him at all, who's for him? Who can sympathize for his situation? Yes, Dave? Right. Comment or just, yeah, if anybody wants to comment, why? Why do you sympathize with them? Well, I mean, because in the earlier part of the movie, you see all that effort. He, it's all him. He's making all this effort. And like you said, she threw, she threw the flowers away. She didn't eat the meal he made. Yes. I mean, that's incredibly frustrating. Yes, definitely. Does anybody have the opposite opinion? That they don't sympathize with his position at all and what he's going through? Okay. Yes? Want to say, Mitch, you want to explain why? Well, I, I guess it's an American generation. Okay. That's a good point. All right. It's tough. And, and no, and you're right. And what Mitch said was he can't relate to that because he's got a marriage where both people are wanting to work at it and get better, which is my point that I, would that I wanted to make. I do sympathize. I can under not sympathize, but I can understand how frustrating it may be if you are the only spouse in the marriage that's actually trying to do something about it. Okay, there could be a de there could be many things. You might be the Christian in the marriage, and you might have an unsaved spouse where they completely don't understand. Now we're on a whole different problem. But let's say that you've got a, a situation where you're really trying harder, and your spouse just either doesn't care, doesn't think it's important. Right? That's a very difficult position to be in. It's lonely, as Dave said. It's frustrating because you're putting all this effort, and you would expect the same type of effort for someone who says, yeah, I love you too. And you would expect that commitment on both parts, but it doesn't always happen. And this is where we talked about last week. It's, it's a great idea. It's good to have someone that you can go talk to, not someone that can, you can get on your side to make you feel better about your situation so you can tear down your spouse, but someone who can build you up and uplift you and remind you to stay in, to stay in it, to work hard at your marriage because who's the ultimate example? 
Christ is the ultimate example. No one helped him. No one wanted his help. But we're going to see in just a few minutes, he's the ultimate example. And yes, it's very difficult, but you need to stay the course. Remember, God doesn't always give you what you want in your time. It's not what you want. It's what God wants for you. And you're going to hear me say that quite a few more times because of something that we have to remind ourselves constantly. We're selfish all the time, and we have to fight that. And we want something for ourselves. We want something in our marriage. We want it now. But God might have something to teach you. And he, and it's, again, it's in his time, his perfect control through your life. So let's go then to uh, the third question, which I believe is the most powerful question in the movie, in the book, the most powerful question that we're going to end up talking about. And see, Caleb set himself up and he didn't even know. He asked his dad, how am I supposed to show love to someone who constantly rejects me? Does anybody remember? It's not actually what his dad said. What does his dad do? Anybody remember in the clip? Yeah. Leans up to the cross. Definitely. You know, the cross is the turning point in any person's life. And the cross is the turning point in your marriage. See, this is how we know true love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And it's not because we deserved it. It's not because we asked him to. It's not because he owed it to us. It's because Christ is the ultimate example of selfless love. See, Christ was rejected. He was scorned. He was laughed at, ridiculed, cursed, spit on. His friends, when he needed his friends the most, left him, turned their backs. They were even afraid to stick up for him. Does that happen in the marriage sometimes? You feel let down when you feel your spouse should be right there supporting you? And some of these other things, scorned, laughed at, picked on, ridiculed, sometimes that rears its ugly head in a marriage. What else did Christ go through? Well, he had a crown of thorns crushed on his skull where he was bleeding down his face. He was whipped and beaten beyond recognition. And with all that physical pain and then nailed to the cross with big spikes, but with all that, we sometimes forget about the mental and emotional anguish that he must have gone through. Because why did he do that? He had to bear the burden of all our sins, mine, yours, everyone else in the church, everyone else in Michigan, the entire world. He bore all their sins on his shoulders during that hour of dying on a cross and shedding his blood. Why? Because he had to. Could he have been selfish and stopped it? Could he have? Definitely. The Bible even talks about it. There's even a song about it. He could have called 10,000 angels to come and stop it and stop the pain and stop the suffering. They were, they were laughing at him. It's not worth it, he could have thought. It's not worth it. The people there are laughing at me as I'm hanging here in pain and agony. They want me to die. And he could have had, with, a, with one thought, with one word, could have had everybody wiped out, killed. But he didn't. Because he is the ultimate example of selfless love. He knew that he bore the burden of everyone's sin on his shoulders. That that was the only way that we could even have a chance of, of going to heaven. is by accepting what he did on the cross. See, there's no, there's no special formula. Uh, unlike our marriage, that's not a quick fix. And our marriage takes progress. It takes, it takes time to rebuild. I talked about last week, what was the verse, uh, that, that because of sin, there's enmity between you and your wife and you and your husband. And you constantly will have to work at those things. Because why? Because sin is in the world, and we have to always be aware of those problems that arise in our marriage. And it's a work in progress. And there might be things in your marriage that have to heal. You might have cuts that have cut deep. 
and they, those wounds need to heal. But unlike that, Christ's gift, God's gift, is immediate. And there's no special formula. That there's no acts of kindness or good deeds that you need to accomplish over a period of time. There's nothing that says you have to have your marriage fixed and then it has to be fixed for a certain amount of time before, you can, uh, before you're eligible to receive heaven. There's nothing like that because you have to realize there's nothing on this earth that we could do to gain access to heaven except through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and what he did. See, by recognizing that Christ and Christ alone has paid the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross, that's all we need to do. We need to accept Christ into our hearts and lives by admitting that he's the only way to heaven and the only way to understand perfect, unconditional love. Um, Again, I can't stress enough, it's nothing that we can do. You can try all your life to have a perfect marriage, to be a good person, just as Caleb said. He admitted he's a good person. He saves lives. He does this and that, and and he's trying in his marriage. He's trying to step up to the plate. But what did his dad tell him? It doesn't matter. It's not what it's all about. You can't be a good enough person to gain access into heaven. All right? It's only through accepting Christ as your Savior, realizing that he died on a cross for your sins and, for, and that there's nothing that you can do. He has is, he is conquered, conquered death and he rose again because he died for your sins, past, present, and future. Everything that you've done. Everything that we've all done. You only have to open it up and accept him. So how does all this translate into our marriage? This is a marriage class, and I'm not talking about marriage for the last few minutes. Well, by accepting his perfect love, the gift that he gave, Jesus Christ, it means now that you can share the same love with your spouse. It means that you can love even when you're not loved back. What did his father say in the movie? He now can accept, he accepted Christ's love, and now he can love his wife even if she didn't deserve it. That's what unconditional love is. You know, you can now see through your, your spouse's flaws and imperfections and selfishness and all the baggage that comes with the marriage and what about all the things that come up after the marriage that you didn't expect because that person was on their best behavior while you were dating. And now things are starting to rear its ugly head. Well, you can see all past that, okay, and you can still love them unconditionally. Why? Because you have got, you've got that perfect gift from God. You've got that love. You know, true love is found in Christ alone. And after you've received his gift of new life by accepting his death in your place, Christ died in our place. We couldn't do it ourselves. And we understand that he has forgiven us of our sins. You are finally ready now to start loving unconditionally. Now, you know, perhaps you're here and you're already a believer. But uh, you've admitted that you've walked away from God. You've turned your back on him. And you've made other priorities in your life, maybe. Uh, sports, work, uh, other friends are, a better, are more of a priority than, your, than God and your family. And, um, sorry, that was, uh, got distracted with somebody trying to call. But um, he, you've made other priorities in your life. And, the truth is that you can't live without him and you definitely can't love without him. And it's never too late. You know, God is a forgiving God. And that's the great thing about him. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. It doesn't matter if you think you're the worst person in the room here. It doesn't matter. 
Okay, sin is sin. The littlest sin and the greatest sin to God is still sin. And that he doesn't put he doesn't put degrees on sin, does he? So are we all in the same boat? We are. Is one person worse than the other person in this room? Not at all. All right, and that's what we have to remember. That God is also not only forgiving God, but he is a selfish God and a jealous God, but in a good way. He's the only one that can be selfish. We've been talking about this for three weeks now, about selfless love versus selfish. We're all selfish in a bad way. God is selfish in a good way. He wants you back. If you've strayed away, he wants you back. If you've never known his love, he wants you, period. So that he then can show his perfect love through you, and you can, throw it, you can show it through you to your spouse and to your family and to your friends. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not standing up here just reading this because I got it out of the book or I, I researched some things and I had to fill some more time, so I threw this in here. I'm, I'm telling you this because I want you to know that this is, this is real life. This really does happen. And I felt that I really was burdened this week to tell you my story because I feel that it's important for you to know that it doesn't matter what you've done. You can come from one side of the tracks to, the, to this side, right? And 10 years ago, I guess 10, 11 years ago, uh, I turned my back on God. I grew up in a Christian church, and I, and I was saved in an early age, and I knew God. But I decided that I knew better and that I didn't need church anymore. And I turned my back on God, and I got divorced, um, I met Michelle. Michelle was divorced. In fact, Michelle wasn't saved at the time. She didn't know God's love. All right? And we, got, we, got, we fell in love, and we got married. And just like every other couple, we thought, it doesn't matter what problems we have. We can conquer the world because we have this emotional love that we have. And guess what? Just like every other couple that you talk to, that emotional love, although it's still there, is not as intense and as strong as when we first met. And where we thought we could conquer all of our problems and the baggage that I brought to the relationship and the fact that she was also divorced and not saved, we can still, we can make this work. Right? We can do it on our own. And we can set our own standards and, and we can have our own agenda. But you know what? It doesn't work that way. God said, nope. No, he's going to chase us. Remember, he is selfish and he wanted me back and he wanted Michelle, period, because Michelle didn't know him. Now, God puts circumstances and people in your lives many times to, sort of, to slap you in the face, so to speak, and to wake you up. Maybe it's coming to the class. Maybe it's a good friend. Maybe it's a circumstance or a tragedy, a tragedy in your life. But see, God, you have to understand, is all-knowing, all-powerful. He is in control of everything of your life, in your life. And he was in control of ours. I just didn't know it. Um, you know, we thought, like many people, well, we can solve our problems by having some children. Does that solve anybody's problems? No. No, it makes it worse, all right? It's, it's all right? I didn't mean it like that. I just mean you compound problems. It's not going to solve anything. You know that. But what, what did we do? Again, we wanted things on our timetable. We wanted to be in control of our lives. And it doesn't work that way. And so we tried, and we tried and tried. And the doctors told Michelle, mm-hmm, doesn't look good. And we went through a couple years of, can you imagine all the other baggage that we had and communication issues, now put that on top of it. 
she can't, she can't uh, have a child right now. Why? Because God had something to teach us first before we had a child. And he said, you know what, Wayne and Michelle, it's not what you want, it's what I want for you. And you're going to hear me say it a couple more times. So, so what happens? Um, God in infinite wisdom knew what was going to be put in our lives and knew that we were going to change. So he went ahead and allowed Michelle to be pregnant with our now son, Brayden, who's six years old. Most of you know little mini-me that runs around here. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Um, but Michelle was not saved yet. I was not back in church. I still thought, hey, she's pregnant. We, we did do it. We can, we can do this on our own. Well, God put a, put a circumstance in our lives, which was my dad. Now, my dad was 72 and had been married to my mom for 52 years. My parents both knew the Lord from that long, for 52 plus years. They both had saved. They both knew if something were to ever happen to them and they drew their last breath, they knew a second later they were going to be in the presence of God. So they had that peace. They already knew that. Did that mean that their marriage was easy throughout the years? No. My mother, if, if anything, my mother is the picture of unconditional selfless love for what she had to go through throughout her entire life. Six kids and all the different problems that we caused. And, and, uh, and so this is the circumstance that God puts in our lives. And my dad goes in the hospital for a very routine thing, a blood clot in his leg. And he was having pain. What do the doctors do? Usually blood thinners, pretty common occurrence, blood thinners, uh, it'll, the, the, blood, the, the clot will pass, and you'll be home in a few days. And that's what we thought. So my mom and I went to the hospital one night. We talked to him. Um, he was in good spirits. We said, hey, we'll see you tomorrow. And about 4.30 in the morning, I get a call. we get a call from the hospital. My mom calls me and says, we've got to get there now. And uh, I went and picked up my mom. We drove to the hospital. The blood clot had moved from my dad's leg to his lungs. Now, my dad had... Uh, 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 lung disease because of where he used to work, asbestos, way back in the day. So his lungs were not that good anyway. 72 years old, and he there is lying with a uh, tube down his throat on a respirator, and he was on a respirator for two weeks. Um, during that time, Michelle is nine months pregnant, and she sees how my mom reacts for two weeks in the hospital. Although sad, very confident, though, um, some just this overwhelming peace that she had because, and, and Michelle talked to my mom, and this overwhelming peace was because my mom knew where, where my dad was going if he were to pass away. Um, well, in, in two weeks, long story short, we actually had to make the decision to go ahead and pull the plug. He was not going to get better. And for the last few hours of his life, we sat around his bedside singing, singing hymns, See, I knew I shouldn't have looked at her. <laughs> and um, my mom sat there singing as my dad took his last breath. The instant he took his last breath, he was in, he was in presence of God. Sorry, let me get my... I didn't think I was going to do this. I'm a tough cop. <laughs> All right, so my point is, Michelle saw my mom sitting there with this overwhelming peace. She wanted to know more. What is up with that? Because of that instant, because of that situation, and because of a good friend that came into our lives and invited us to community. 
Michelle was able to get saved. Okay? I was able to turn my life around. That was six years ago. And I'm up here teaching you about marriage. How crazy is that? Okay? And that, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. And you know why? It's because of God's unselfish, unconditional love. I tell you the story because if you're in a position where you think we've tried, it didn't work. We tried again, it didn't work. It ain't worth it. What did he say on the tape? It's just not worth it anymore. Well, I'm telling you this. God has a plan for your lives, and it's in his time, not ours. Because, see, the story continues. And I've got to tell this one, too, real quick, because Michelle got saved. Do you think everything just magically disappeared and we had great... No. No, we still had communication issues. We still had healing to do. I still had baggage. All right, I had children from another marriage. All these problems that come in together, the communication is the, at the utmost importance. And we still had to learn how to communicate. All right? We still had to learn how to be selfless and not be selfish. Michelle wanted another child because we didn't want Braden to grow up to, to, uh, by himself. And so a couple years ago, he, she didn't understand. Why can't we have a child? We're, I'm saved now. We're in church. We're doing everything right. I want a child. I, I, I. All right? And God had another lesson for us. God had a lesson to say, it is not what you want. It is what I want for you in my time. And I kid you not, Michelle, she came to me and she told me, uh, I, I remember the day, not the day, but the week, when she told me she's okay. I have talked to God. I prayed. And I am okay with not having another child. Why? Because I thanked him. We have Braden. We have our marriage. We have our church. And everything what more could we ask for? And if he gives us a child, okay. If he doesn't, I'm okay with that. And, and I, as sure as I'm standing here today, it was a week or less that she found out she was pregnant. After giving that up and saying, it's not about us anymore, it's about what you want. All right? And, that, and therefore, now you see Angelina Faith. All right? And that's why we named her that. Uh, and... and I bring that up again, and it's not, I don't want to say that if you get right with God, you're going to get what you want. We got lucky. We did get what we want, all right? But it was because that's what God wanted for our lives. And you have to remember that your situation couldn't be, could be about children. It could be about work. It could be about relocating on a job. It could be about just your marriage and God's timing in it. But you have to be open to that. You have to be open to God's Word and open to the fact that he wants you. If you don't know him, if you haven't accepted him as your personal savior, realize that you're a sinner, that you can't get to heaven on your own, that you can only do it by accepting Christ and realizing what he did on the cross, then you can understand what unconditional love is, and you can start healing your marriage. And if you, and if you have already done that, but you have strayed away, I am standing here today telling you that it works you can still come back. It doesn't matter what you've done or how long you've been away. God wants you back. Okay? Um, let's pray, and we, we will be done. Father, thank you for this lesson that we, can, uh, that we can learn and know your true love. Lord, please, if anybody's in this room that has a doubt and does not know if they were to take their last breath today where they would go, if there is that doubt, please, have that person burden their heart so they will come and talk to us, the most important decision that they would ever make. 
All right? And Lord, please help us throughout this week that we remember that you are in control of our lives, that you know what's best for us, that it's not what we want, it's what you want for us, and that you promise in your scriptures that if we follow you, you will bless us and you will bless our family. Please keep those truths with us as we go through this week. In Jesus' name, amen.